The gospel lesson today comes from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not just as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Has anybody reminded you, wait, I think you know what's coming, but it's not. It's going to be different today. (laughs) Has anybody reminded you today that you have been invited into the very flow of love in the living God. Anybody been reminded of that? You are. Invited into the flow of love of the living God. Sometimes we've got to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> Kate, thank you for reading this passage. This is a very important passage. You know, in every gospel, the first thing Jesus does, we've got to pay attention to. Because it's the gospel writer's way of saying, this is going to be a central theme. This is going to be something to watch in everything that happens from here on in that particular gospel. In the gospel of Mark, the first thing that Jesus does is he casts out a demon within the religious community. And so the gospel writer is saying, watch what Jesus does, because this is setting the stage for everything that follows. Now, I don't know about you, but I get the sense that in our postmodern world, in our post-enlightenment mentality, talk about demons is... uh, I don't know, it's a little bit embarrassing. I think people kind of say, well, that must have been then, and this is now, and we know that it's a little different. Let me lift up to you a possibility. That demons may not be what we think we have in our mind's eye. Scholars wisdom figures, spiritual directors are redefining what a demon is in the scripture. And they're naming it people who are living with addictions. Go with me for just a bit. Notice the parallels between all of the people that come to Jesus possessed by a demon. Those of you who have dealt with addictions or who love someone and cared for someone who's dealt with addictions, you know what it's like. And you know that sometimes it feels like 
we or our loved ones have been possessed by these addictions, that we are powerless to these addictions, and that these addictions have ruined relationships, kept us from community, kept us from people, and done harm to not only ourselves, but those around us. I just described what happens when people are living with addictions. The same landscape, if you look at the scriptures, describes those who are living with so-called demons. And often, who is it in the scriptures that bring someone who is possessed by a demon to Jesus? Parents, right? Family. You know, we have an Al-Anon group here that meets every Thursday afternoon, and they are worried sick about their loved ones who are dealing with addictions. It is families and loved ones that bring folks who are possessed by demons or addictions to Jesus. And He heals them. He does not judge them. He cares for them, and He wants to restore them to relationship, to community. So the demon in the synagogue says to Jesus in today's scripture from Mark, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to kill us? I guess one of the simple answers is, yes, yes, thank God he's come to kill the addictions. Not the people who have the addictions, but to say to the addictions, you have no more power over this person. And those of you who have overcome and are overcoming addictions, you know the liberation that comes from that. You know the freedom that comes from knowing that God is helping you, helping us, helping our loved ones to overcome addictions. But to overcome the addictions, something in us has to die. And it is something in us that needs to die that needs to die. So praise God. Let God have it. Do you know that something in us, something in every one of us needs to die? Good religion teaches us that we need to learn how to die before we die. Jesus was always pointing to that. Death to self, death to ego, so that we can truly live, so that we can truly love. And for this, it might be death to our addictions. Now let me just talk briefly about addictions. I believe one of the great spiritualities in the United States of America that is unique to this country is the 12-step spirituality. There's wisdom there, there's spirit there, it's unique that the rest of the world has begun to claim. In that 12-step process of having our demons die, having our addictions die, we acknowledge that we're powerless and that we need God's help. 
I think that should be the first step of every Christian. <laughs> if we're trying to follow Jesus, we need to acknowledge that we are powerless to so much and we need God's help if we're going to follow Jesus. Because our addictions are more than just substance. Okay, so those are the easy ones to identify. Being addicted to a substance, that's easy to see. The tough stuff is the addiction, addictions that we don't see and that is not quite clear. Do you know some, some of us in the human in the human race are addicted to our way of responding to things and people. And it's almost predictable. We can see our responses to people and situations and it's the same response and it's never helpful and it usually always gets us into trouble. We can be addicted to our way of responding to people and situations. We can be addicted to our own fears. I would say half of the world's population is probably addicted to their own fears, and it is our fears that get us juiced, get us motivated, but it's an addiction. Some people are addicted to money or addicted to making money, and that is applauded in our society, so it's very hard to see that it can become an addiction. And I would contend that we're all addicted to something, and that is our way of thinking. In 12-step groups, they call it stinking thinking. The way we think, we think we're right about everything. And we keep, we keep arguing the same arguments. Do you ever do that? Same arguments. We kind of recite the same stuff in our own minds as to why we're right. That's part of our addiction. It's part of our addicted thinking. If we are open, Christ can come into that addicted way of thinking and help us. Because that addicted way of thinking stops us in our tracks from growing, from maturing, from being in relationship, from being open to seeing what God is doing in our lives. And sometimes it's saying to God, God, I and trust my own addictions to you. Sometimes it's saying, God, I entrust my loved one's addictions to you. Sometimes it's saying, God, I entrust this person's addictions to you, and they may not even see it, but here they are. Something in us needs to die. And I'm not talking about stopping breathing. Something in us needs to die if we're really going to live. Have any of you heard about the mystic James Julian, Dame Julian of Norwich? Julian of Norwich, one of the great mystics in England. When she started a new season in her life, and the community knew that she was starting a new season in following Jesus, and she knew and they knew that something in her had to die before she could do what God was calling her to do. They had a funeral for her, and she attended her own funeral. And they celebrated Dame Julian of Norwich. She wasn't quite famous then, 
They gave God thanks for her. They entrusted her to God. They grieved the death of the woman they knew because they knew and she knew God was going to make her a new person. I wonder what that would look like for us to attend our own funeral, to have loved ones and friends and our family and faith say, this loved one has died because God is doing a new thing in her life, a new thing in his life, and they will become a new being. The demon in this particular passage then says to Jesus, this demon, by the way, is in the religious community. Very interesting. In the religious community, the demon says, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Now, let's just unpack that a little bit. This demon has pretty good theology. This demon knows the Scriptures. This demon has identified Jesus as the Holy One of God. This demon has everything theologically correct. But he's not in the flow of God. Or she. Does it say whether it's a he or a she? Look that up. I don't know. It. The person with this demon has the right theology, knows the Scriptures, knows the Bible, knows the religious tradition, but does not know the love of God. We see that happening in every religious community, in every season, throughout history. There are people who think that I'll just take Christianity, that Christianity is about getting the right information. It's not. Christianity is about transformation. Do you see the difference? Christianity is not just about inculcating certain belief systems. It's about death and resurrection and transformation. We in the West need to move from an understanding of Christianity as getting more and more information to Christianity as a way of transformation. Do you see the difference? It's a way of thinking to a way of being. The demon has the right way of thinking. Knows that Jesus is the, the Holy One of God, but is missing something. And Jesus came to free that person and to free all demons who would follow in every religion to realize that it's about a relationship with God. Not knowledge about God, it's about a relationship with the living God. I close with this. I'm so grateful that that demon was in the religious community because it's really a very pastoral and compassionate word to those of us who are investing our time and our money and ourselves and our relationships in the religious community here in Chatham and anywhere else in the world. It almost normalizes it. By Jesus starting this ministry in the Gospel of Mark, 
by saying he's come to free, to liberate people who are bound by something, possessed by something, and in the religious communities. He's saying, I have hope for you in the religious community. And it may help us to cut each other some slack, to say, oh, they're dealing with some addictions. They're dealing with some addictions. I'm dealing with some addictions. And we're all trying to be freed up by the love of God so that we can be more in the flow of God's love. It normalizes our brokenness. Listen to this. I close with this from Steve Garnis Holmes, United Methodist pastor in New England. It's a prayer. God, I do not know what burdens people carry, what demons they wrestle with silently, what triumph it may be for them to appear normal, to be decent, simply to show up. Give me compassion for each person, aware that spirits haunt us all. Give me grace to bless and not judge, to heal and not hurt, even those who invite hurting. Free me from my own demons, my ego and its demands on myself and others. I do not know others' inner story, its landscape, its dark places, its villains. I don't know. I don't need to know. I only know your tremendous love, even for me and equally for them. Help me remember. Hmm. Amen.